There's only one way to start a show after the Packers beat the Bears. And I think y'all know where I'm going with this little ditty right here. Let us rejoice. Aaron Rodgers has not relinquished his ownership of the Bears because they still suck. Nothing like the Happy Schnapps combo little polka in the morning to get the juices flowing. Rodgers and the run game absolutely, well, we'll talk about it. It was dominating in a sense, but also there was times where we're like, what's going on here? 27 to 10. Your Green Bay Packers move the one and on the season, and here you go. The Bears still suck. The Bears still suck. The Bears still suck. The Bears still suck. Rowdy, good morning, Rowdy. How are we doing today, brother? Yeah, good morning. I'm I'm kind of with you on that one. Packers got a win. The box score says it was an easy win. Yeah. But if you watch the game, it towards the end there, especially in the second half in that third quarter, it was like what is the offense doing? Christian Watson, stay away from the football. Yeah, what? Amari Rogers, also please, do, can, can we not have you on special? Can we just not have you on the team anymore? Christian Watson, <laughs> what are you doing? So there was a time in that game where Amari Rogers had a nice little punt return. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, there we go. Yeah, maybe right. maybe he's, may, let's see if uh, Aaron Rodgers gives him any love when he's coming off the, the field. No, no. But then I think it was like the very next punt where he muffed it and nearly fumbled it. And I'm like, I mean, he fumbled it, but he like he kicked it out of bounds. And like, I was like, this guy. And there's a. Mar- you give him a compliment after one good return, and there he is. And there he is. Here you go. The still suck. The still But I would say overall, Ebo, the offense after the first five quarters of the season. Look like it woke up. Wait, hang on, Rowdy. I want you to. I want you to say that again. But I'm say this. Yes, Rowdy. Right now is getting airtime to say this. Rowdy, if you could please say it again. Uh, I'll, I'll turn the music off. If you could say it, please, on the air, on the airwaves. Yeah, it looks like it took the offense about five quarters to knock off the rust and wake up this season, right? Hashtag Sunday Night Football. Exactly. Now third third quarter <laughs> after tweeting joke and follow Rowdy on Twitter. After tweeting that at halftime, third quarter comes along and there's the two possessions where you're like, What are you doing? Yeah. It, then but like, yes, what was Christian? Oh, yeah, Christian Do you think this is actually eerily similar to that uh Lions game week two last year? Yeah, totally. Defense didn't look good out of the shoot, but then in the second half they came back and kind of blitzed the Lions. Yeah. I would say it's kind of similar, even though the offense in the second half didn't look great, but yes, the second quarter it looked pretty good. Totally. No, I mean the the, the this season so far is mirroring last season because you know Through two you, games. Yeah, it's like identical season. It's like we're living in the same kind of uh planes of existence of the two years. No, I mean the, it felt like to me, Rowdy, like um I for example um, yesterday afternoon, as I was kind of nursing a little hangover, I wasn't bad, but it was a little bit. My brother's wedding was on Saturday. Rowdy was, also was there looking very handsome, very dapper. Uh, but Rowdy, I let one of my, my cat, Buddha, outside, and she uh, was hunting a ground or a little chipmunk. She found a chipmunk. She was absolutely dominating the chipmunk, and then she was like, got a little bored with it, and then let it go and started toying with it and letting the chipmunk look like it was going to escape, maybe, you know, escape with his life. And then all of a sudden, I turned around again, and she had pounced on the chipmunk again, and she offed it. That's what I kind of felt like the uh, Packers were doing to the Bears. They were toying with them a little bit. They're like, we know we're better than you. We know we can best you. And then all of a sudden, they let the foot off the gas a little bit. And you saw, and then Christian Watson, I don't know what the hell that dude was doing, uh, running in front of Aaron Rodgers and, you know, a little off on his 
on his play design there. But I felt like the Packers were toying with the Chicago Bears for a while there. And then the field goal at the end, I guess, you know. The Packers only scored three points in the second half. The second quarter was the Packers that like we know and love. But did it not feel like that there should have been more points on the board in that yeah. second half? They had multiple drives where it was like... It should have been like high 30s. You're, to, you're driving the football and then something disastrous happens. Yeah, it should have been, it should have been like, what, 34 to 10 minimum uh, for the Green Bay Packers. It was... I, I was never worried about the outcome of the game. Uh, what about you? Uh, in that third, fourth quarter, my biggest fear wasn't of losing the game. It was losing the cover. Yeah, because Rowdy had it in the razor's edge, the nine and a half, uh, which the Packers easily got. I thought, um, prediction-wise, it would be low 30s for the Packers um, and where the Bears just were at 10 points. Listen, the Packers totally in that second quarter put it on. I mean, the defense looked great for the for the most part for the Green Bay Packers. Hell, they only gave up 10 points. But that offense in that second quarter was absolutely humming. And the fact, this is what blows my mind the most. is, And they, I know they talked about it in the broadcast, and we talked about it a lot last week too, is why in the world did Aaron Jones only get, what was it last week, eight touches? Did he get eight touches last week, Aaron Jones? Yeah, and, and now look that was what, on the broadcast. Look what Aaron Jones was able to accomplish. 15 carries. He also caught three balls for a total of 100, 170 yards of total offense. His most sense against the Lions last year. But Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, who got 18 carries for 61 yards, when you use those two, which we all thought and knew they were going to because that's what LaFleur wants to do, half pass, half uh, you know run, be a very balanced team. Look at when you put your playmakers in position to succeed, how they do. Aaron Jones, that was awesome to see, Rowdy. Aaron Jones is the playmaker for the Packers. Well, on the broadcast, uh, Collinsworth was talking about how Aaron Jones only had so many touches, and they talked to Matt LaFleur about that. And Matt LaFleur didn't even realize. He goes, yeah, I looked up at the end of the game, and I couldn't believe it. We need to get that guy the football. Yeah, because like Aaron Jones last week, he was averaging almost uh, nine yards a carry, nine yards a carry, and LaFleur's like, oh, I didn't realize it. That's on me. Like, huh? You're the... Like, you're a head coach of an NFL, God's gift to the NFL, the Green Bay Packers. How do you not, or one of your stooges around you, uh, not know that? But it was great to see them get involved again. Aaron Jones, man, 15 carries, 132 yards on the ground, three catches uh, for 38, a touchdown, uh, both on his feet, um, or one on his feet, one in the air. It was crazy, man. Aaron Jones, the star of the show. And how about Sammy Watkins? That guy was looking good too, Rowdy. Three catches, 93 yards. Sammy Watkins absolutely balling on him. Uh, that was nice. I think what you're going to see, though, I mean, look at the receiving uh, core here. Sammy Watkins, three catches. Aaron Jones, three catches. Randall Cobb, three catches. Romeo Dobbs, two catches. Alan Lazard, two catches. Robert Tunyon, two catches. Christian Watson, three catches. Like, Aaron Rodgers talked about it after the game. We'll get to the comments a little later. But he's like, this is what we're going to have to do. We're just going to have to, like, maybe it's like tops four catches for our wide receivers moving forward. It's a balanced attack. If the Packers can stay balanced like this, and actually punch the ball in. I know they didn't in the second half, but do it. I mean, I have no problems and qualms with this team. I, I know the Bears aren't the greatest, but I mean, I saw what? I saw a couple, uh, I saw, was it Jim Polzine? He gave the uh, rating or a grade for the Packers a C minus. Would you, what would you grade the Packers, Rowdy? A C minus, I saw this morning from I, w- I would State probably. Journal. I would probably give it like a B minus. There's still a lot of things to be worked out, like, David Montgomery and the Chicago Bears at a point were running it down the Packers' throat. And then they just forgot about it. And then they came back to it. And then the other thing is 
there really is issues with this young receiving core. Like I have no problem saying I think that you know in ten weeks they're going to be better. Yeah. But for right now. There are some issues. And you, and you said this, Rowdy, coming into the season, as did I. It's like we didn't think the offense would be like really humming until, you know, like halfway through the season. Um, but that second quarter, if there was any indication of what can be done, when you got Aaron Jones cooking, you got uh, A.J. Dillon cooking, you got Aaron Rodgers uh, getting it going and, you know, hitting timely passes down the field to just a collection of dudes. I mean, they, they look good in that second quarter. I don't know how great the Bears are going to be this year. I mean, I still probably take the under of the six and a half wins for the Bears. Um, don't get all upset, Polly. But yeah, Rowdy. I mean, the I don't know from where they were against the Vikings to where they are now against the Bears. You can see the improvement of the Packers. Uh, well, that just goes better. back to what I said at the end of last week. Uh, my hot take of I don't think the Packers tried to win Week One. No, yeah, totally. And we could wake up tomorrow morning, and the entire NFC North could be one and one. <laughs> we yeah, because tonight. You have uh, the Eagles taking on the Minnesota Vikings. Hey, was it a touchdown last night for the Chicago Bears that could have made things a little more interesting? Was it a touchdown? Couldn't tell. When for some reason, the Bears have Justin Fields. What's he weigh, like 190? Line up in shotgun? Instead of giving it to their 200-plus pound running back to punch it in from the goal line? And was it a touchdown? Does Did the Bears get cheated? Does he have a six-foot lean? Because his feet were on the two-yard line. And his momentum was stopped. If it was called a touchdown, it would have been uh, upheld. Wait, they say Justin Fields weighs two. Yeah, I was going to say he's way bigger than one ninety. Yeah, yeah I, f- I thought he was a little shorter than six three. So well, I, the the point stands. Why, if you are going to go for a fourth down and half a yard, let's check in with. Why the are you going <laughs> out of shotgun to a quarterback? Yeah, quarterback right. power, yeah. like mm-hmm. I. <laughs> Give it to David Montgomery. David Montgomery was running it down the Packers' throat. And why don't you just come out of like an I so formation Khalil Herbert. Or, <laughs> or under center? Yeah. That well, whole drive. I personally thought it was a touchdown. Uh, I mean, from the first there's, angle there's they one showed. Picture, there's one still shot, and they kind of circled it on the broadcast. And I'm like, oh, it looks like they crossed the plane. Yeah. Like, barely. But, but, they're you, like, but there's too many bodies here. You can't the, see. And there's that's the thing. Guys. Like, had the refs originally called it a touchdown, you wouldn't be able to say no, it wasn't. Yeah, but they called it. They didn't. I saw goal line stand, little. Hook. I thought naked eye d- live during the game didn't look like he got in. No. And then when you slow it down, you go to all the different camera angles. I like RJ just said. I'm like, nah. it was the Tony Romo. Eh. Romo didn't Jeff. make that noise for a different play, <laughs> but. I think it stands because you really couldn't tell. It was like, okay, right. well, we tilted this angle. We slowed it down, and we're looking here. And if you look right where it's circled, there might be. It's like, really? If you have to do that much, that's inconclusive. But like yeah. RJ said, if they would have ruled it a touchdown, it would have been called no, totally. been a touchdown. And you know what? I would look at it and be like, yeah, I can't argue that it's not. It's in that what they had to say multiple times, clear and obvious. Right. And it was not clear right. and obvious. I mean, and and he look, did I was say, just looking at the still shot. It looks it looks kind of clear and obvious, but the fact that they didn't call a touchdown right. at first, it, which is why it. the play and wasn't. And as a Packers fan, I agree with the refs. It's why the play wasn't confirmed. It stands as called because yes. they couldn't tell. But it would have been a little more interesting of a game if they would have gave that the uh, yeah touchdown sign. Absolutely, it would have, and you probably well, how much time was left then? Like. 
Well, they would have been under, up by seven and Green Bay getting the football back. The one thing that it really would have thrown a wrench into was Green Bay covering. covering. <laughs> yes, yes. And by the way, Rowdy, nice little cover in the Razor's Edge yeah, for the I, Green Bay Packers. Razor's Edge I coming took it, up momentarily. I, I took it yesterday. It was up to 10, and I was just like, eh, let's see what happens. All I, all I know is that <laughs> Christian, Christian Watson in the third quarter. Man, he wants to lose that game. <clears throat> that game looked like it was going to be covered easily. <laughs> like, you could put that game to bed like in the going third quarter. Away, yeah. Until Christian Watson has to somehow get around the football. Oopsies. Yeah, Chris, Christian Watson, he's, he's he's a little frustrating so far. Um, dropping that, what, 71, 75-yard pass, wherever it was, week one, and now uh, I don't know what the hell he was doing. Rodgers was a little perturbed, too, and rightfully so. But I hope, you know, maybe Wisco, uh, the Grant Bills of the Wisco Sports Show could opine to us why it was actually Rodgers' fault, and he hurt Christian Watson's feelings about <laughs> yelling at him for uh, causing that fumble. Yep. But the Bears jumped all over. But, boys, I was talking with one of my, uh, or two of my Bears fans, friends, and one third, my brother, who's my youngest brother, Bears fan. They were all in agreement. The Bears got screwed out of a touchdown. (laughs) Shocking, right? A Bears fan said, we were screwed. I don't know. I thought it was a touchdown. You go back and look at it, but, you know, RJ and Nelly are kind of right. It's called stands as is, and it wasn't, and I quote, clear and obvious. So a lot of people can take the NFL's got all this money, yet they can't, with all technology out there, get it right. What would they do? The goal line technology? You guys seen that in soccer? Yeah. In the English Premier League? Like, if it cr- barely, if it crosses the line, like, a light comes on yeah. for the refs. But then I've also seen times where that have screwed up. The Brewers' longtime season ticket holders might have felt a sense of deja vu watching Aaron Judge homer twice on Sunday and take his first swat at 60. This is his moment right now. Luis Perdomo said. This is Brewers on the wrong side of the Judge home run tear. Aaron Judge, what, hit, uh, to, what is he at? 59 now of home runs. And they came at the hands of the Brewers yesterday. And yeah, so they, they kept Aaron Judge relatively quiet, especially on that home run board for the first two games yeah. of the series. Well, he didn't had, have a home run. He was pretty productive Friday, but he didn't get a home run. But And then... Yeah, Sunday happened, and he hit two home runs and narrowly missed a third in the ninth inning as he hit a missile that was like a short one-hopper off the fence. And the only reason why it wasn't a home run is because of his launch angle. If he would have got under it a little bit more, that thing would have been in the upper deck. Yeah, uh, and King is correct. The The Brewers do have a new home run king at shortstop. How about Willie Adamas? Brewers uh, record now for dingers from a shortstop, Rowdy. Hey, the second half of the season, Willie Adamas starting to turn it around when it comes to average. Like he was hitting and being productive when it comes to home runs and RBIs all season, but that average was way down there, like close to 220 for most of the year. Yeah. But yeah, he, uh, since the all-star break has turned it around, been hitting for a much higher clip when it comes to batting average. So that's nice to Do you see. see. He's clipping and snipping out there. Well, he's doing something because all of a sudden you look up and he's batting nearly 240. He's about he's gained about 20 points since the All-Star break. He is clipping. Same thing with Colton Wong. Look up all of a sudden. He had another big game. He hit a home run in the first inning yesterday. He's now batting 250. This was a guy that was hitting like, again, 220 not too long ago pre-All-Star uh, break. Yeah. So yeah. that's that's been a plus. Now, Arias... 
still struggling to hit the baseball, not anywhere close to what he did last year offensively. That's been an issue. And pretty much we talk about Wong and and um, Adamas hitting the ball well post-All-Star break. The catching has been awful with the bat between Narvaez and Caratini post-All-Star break. Like, they were, they were decent before, but they fell, they have fallen off a cliff here in the second half. So well, those are two big issues. Bro, let's talk a little Brewers, what happened over the weekend, and looking at the playoffs. How many games are left? 16. 16. <laughs> Rowdy, the Bronx Bombers, the Pinstripes, the New York Yankees. Pretty hot team. Crushing it, especially the baseball. And the Brewers take two out of three in the series. Oh, my, 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 my. But they go down in the standings. What are they now? Two behind the Phillies and two and a half behind the Padres? Yeah. But there's no tiebreakers. There's no game 163s this year with in Major League Baseball. So also, they don't own either tiebreaker. So it's essentially three <laughs> behind the Phillies and three and a half behind the Padres with 16 to play. But if you look at what the Brewers did, yeah, not only did they win two out of three against the New York Yankees this week, but... If you go back about the last 10 to 15 days, Brewers have actually been playing some decent baseball. Yeah, they've been good. And it kind of starts with that, you know, kind of smushed in the middle double header at home against the San Francisco Giants where that was one of the two planned double header days going into this season because remember they sh- uh shortened the season into one less week. Mhm. So, yeah, they go 2-0 and in that doubleheader against San Francisco, end up winning two out of three at home against the Reds, then split 1-1 one and one with the Cardinals, only to take two out of three at home against the Yankees. So that last 10 to 15 days, the Brewers have played pretty decent baseball, but they haven't been able to really yeah, make capitalize. up any real ground mm-hmm. because, one... The Cardinals have been playing really good ball. And then at the same time, the Padres and the Phillies always seem like when the Brewers lose, they they lose. When When the Brewers Brewers win, win, they they win. But looking down the rest of the season, Brewers do have an easier schedule than the Padres. And I don't think they catch the Phillies. Yeah, The Cardinals have, well, I don't think they're catching, they're not catching the Cardinals, but the Cardinals have the easiest schedule, I think, if I remember correctly. Yeah, they're they're, they're not. Yeah, that's done. But like, so I ended up watching yeah, all right. yesterday's so, game. Everyone check this out. So Rowdy, you have dr- Dish. I have Dish. Rowdy has Dish. I have not had Bally Sports or Fox Sports Wisconsin since July of 2019. And that was before the COVID. Last, yes, the last series that I got to watch was a Cubs-Brewers 2019 in July where Keston Hira hit a walk-off home run to right center to beat the Cubs. That was the last series I got to watch. Yeah. I also don't get Bally Sports because I have uh, Hulu Live, and they've been in this contract negotiation since 2019. So Rowdy doesn't get it with Dish. I don't get it through Hulu. And in 2019 and 2020, I found a phenomenal Major League Baseball stream, Same. which has since been taken down. And then this season, you know, for the first three, four months of the year, I had a good one that was decent. Then that was lost. And then it was like a rotating of about three different streams and nothing really ever was good or the quality wasn't good. They come, they go, you know. And then it also kind of coincided with the Milwaukee Brewers taking a nosedive, trading Josh Hader, playing like dog crap. And I'm like, I came on these airwaves and I said, I'm only going to watch 
games that are on TV. So your Foxes, so your FS1, so your ESPN baseballs. So that's only here and there. But Rowdy, you have stumbled upon something that is mucho gusto. Rowdy, tell the folks... And even we looked it up earlier this morning. Rowdy I've noticed it the last few weekends. Would you say your week has been muy bueno over this, Rowdy? So dating back, <laughs> this is awesome. Dating back two, three weeks ago on Sundays, I'll randomly be scrolling through the TV channels, and I'm like, "All right, it's be, yeah. Brewers aren't on Fox. They're not on FS1. They're not on ESPN. They're not on any significant national TV." All of a sudden, I see it. I'm like, wait, what? Uh-huh. And it was on Dish, Channel 17, Telemundo, Wisconsin, Ebo. So you didn't say what? You said, okay? Telemundo, Wisconsin, carrying the Brewers, speaking Spanish. So, yes, I know very few words. But I can still watch the game, even though it's not the best. It's no, it's no Bally Sports coverage when it comes wise, right? to production and oh, and cameras. Would you say the camera work isn't? Uh, yeah, is a little moy mall. Yeah, a little mall. Not it's, very bad. It's probably bad. somewhere between the high school and college level. But you get Milwaukee Brewers, and I got to watch the game. So you got uh, and Rowdy. We looked it up this morning. It was this Sunday. It was last Sunday. And then I I had it like maybe a couple Sundays ago. Too. Oh, Bob and Weave has a good question. Can you get the simulcast in English? I guess. Or can you put on the, the, the closed captioning? Like in the, I have no idea. So we've, I've, I'm like. I listen to it in Spanish and then I just visually watch the game. Yeah, I'm sure it was awesome. So, Rowdy, uh, I did look up the schedule. Uh, the there will be 12 Sunday games that will air on Telemundo, Wisconsin. Now, we've already missed the brunt of them. You will get one more, October 2nd, against the Miami Marlins. So if you're like me, you have Hulu Live and you're spurned to Bally Sports. So they must just get home games. Yeah, if you're like me, uh, spurned to Bally Sports for Hulu Live or Rowdy on Dish, you can get Telemundo, Wisconsin, October 2nd, versus the Miami Marlins if you want to watch them. Yeah, and that's the that's the fourth to last game of the season. Yep. So, so it must be they must get every Sunday home game. Look at that, Rowdy. Who would have guessed it? You were flipping around, ended up on Telemundo, Wisconsin, and you're like, mucho gusto. You got yourself the Milwaukee Brewers. Machismo, baby. Yeah, it's wild. So now that I'm actually looking at the schedule and you read it off, the three games that I've seen was the Cubs dating back. October 28th? No, no. Wait, dating back to, uh, I believe it was August. Where oh no! They, I'm sorry, August 20th. Excuse me. August 28th was versus the Chicago Cubs. Yeah, I I saw it but there. On your birthday was the Reds, and then I saw the Reds on the 11th, Yankees and then the happened. Yankees yesterday. Those yep. were all of a sudden they started popping up. I'm like, what the heck? And on uh, October 2nd, you'll get the Miami Marlins. So there you go. Twelve games on Telemundo, Wisconsin. Take that, Bally Sports. So yeah. So where there's a will, there is a way. The Brewers. I still don't like their odds to make the postseason. I'm not saying it's not doable. It's definitely doable for the Milwaukee Brewers, especially with the schedule that they play. I mean, looking forward here, they play the New York Mets, and the Mets can't the hey. Mets can't just, you know, lay off the gas pedal because the Braves and the Mets are in a dogfight to win the Oof. NL East. Brody, so this will be a tough series. Thirty eight percent chance they give the Brewers to make the playoffs right now. Four games at Cincinnati. I feel like that could be the big series. Yeah. 
because the Brewers haven't played Cincinnati very well. One, they really haven't played bottom feeders that well this season in general. Mm -hmm. Then you come back home for the rest of the season where you get nine straight games starting uh, September 27th through October 5th, or October 5th, all at home. It's St. Louis. It's the dead Miami Marlins. And then it's the Diamondbacks. So a tough series with the Mets. Who knows how that road series against Cincinnati, who have not played well against goes, but you might actually, by the time you get to St. Louis, the middle of next week, is St. Louis going to be letting their foot off oh, the pedal? Because you buddy. think about it, there's only at that point, there'd only be about a week worth of games. Yeah. And so they're probably still going to have a seven or eight game lead. And then you have the Marlins who are garbage and just waiting for the season to end. And the Diamondbacks, who were playing really good baseball for about a month, but that hot streak looks like it's kind of passed, and they're yeah. back to meh baseball. So, yeah, it's, it's doable. I still don't like their odds. And if they do make the playoffs, I well, don't well, have well, much well, faith well, in them steps. forward. Well, we have a question here, Rowdy. Uh, the King says, why don't you listen to the game on the radio and watch them on Telemundo? You can. You have the ability to pause your station, right? You have, you have DVR, whatever the hell it is, the... Yeah, I don't have a radio in my living room. Oh. And you can't stream games in Major League Baseball. Yeah, on your phone. I guess the Kings saying go get a radio and then uh, put, you know, pause the Telemundo, sync up the broadcast. But, Rowdy, the game you were watching yesterday, I wanted to get to this. I wanted to play it. Uh, Brewers, this Adam McKelvey article I had to chuckle at. Brewers uh, on the wrong side of history. The unwilling participants in a chase for home run history. This they've had it a couple times. This so happens to be Aaron Judge on his run. Here's number one. It just feels like addition. every time he comes to the plate, and I know he's having a great season, 57 home runs, but everybody's attention goes towards the field. There's a swing and a fly ball out to right. Back Renfro. There's number 58 for Aaron Judge. There's 58, and then a little later in the game, Rowdy. One-two pitch. High fly, deep left, and Judge has hit number 59. Wow. A two-homer game for Aaron Judge. And he now has the most home runs in a single season by a right-handed batter in American League history. So, Rowdy, yes? Got a couple more stats on Aaron Judge here. So, going into yesterday, he was leading the American League in home runs and RBIs, and he was sitting just two points behind uh, both Luis Arise and Bogarts, yeah. Xander Bogarts for the Red Sox. After yesterday, he c- clearly still leads in home runs and RBIs, but is now all knotted up between Bogarts, Arise, and uh, judge at 316 wow. apiece. And then to go one further, you talk about how this guy was just crushing everything. Aaron Judge has had more 110 miles per hour batted balls yesterday than the entire San Francisco Giants team has had in the second half. Wow. That's and now, crazy. The Giants are in a free fall. They sold, but that's just, that, that's wild. Yeah. And then to go one further, Aaron Judge is the first player in StatCast era to have four hits in a game, all with 110 miles per hour or higher exit velocity. And you know what the funniest part is? The hardest hit ball he had all day yesterday was his very first at bat, and it went 115.4 miles an hour off the bat, and that was an out. Yeah. Hashtag baseball. That's baseball right there for you. His hardest hit ball out of all of them 
and all went over 110 miles an hour was the out. I have some stats, too, when it comes to the home run chases uh, of uh, seasons gone by. We'll get to that a little later as Aaron Judge, the Brewers falling victim to it, I should say. I'll say one more for you. This is a Jeff Passan tweet. Aaron Judge entered September the favorite for the American League MVP award. I agree with that. I think he should win it over Shoyotani. And all he's done is bet 491 oh my God. and get on base at nearly a 59% of the time. And he's slugging over a thousand with the big league best eight home runs in September. Jesus, His 1600 OPS is nearly 250 points clear of the next best hitter for the month of September. So not only did he enter the month as being the betting favorite, but he's just beating the brakes off of everybody wow. else this month Wild. and continues to do it. And hey, he's and the Brewers now right, took two out of three. He's now right on the edge of becoming another, not only the, the Yankees all time home run leader. Cause what now he needs two more to pass Roger Maris. He's one tie, to tie him. to tie Roger Maris, yeah. three more to pass. He is one more home run away from being the third Yankee to ever hit 60 home runs. Yep. And not only that, he's got a chance to to win a triple crown. The last time a triple crown was won in the AL was Miggy, and I believe that was about a decade ago. Wow. And before Miggy, it was like forever before crazy, that. Crazy, crazy. Right, he's Ra- the MVP in the AL. Totally. Razor's Edge coming up, but first, Ebo, these are the triple crown winners in the last 70 years. Mickey Mantle, Frank Robinson, Carl Yastrzemski, Miguel Cabrera. That's it. That's the list. That's it. What do you think? Soon to be Aaron Judge? Aaron Judge is chasing that. Crazy. That dude is uh, pretty damn good. And by the way, those first three names, all Hall of Famers and Miggy well on his way. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers, 234 passing yards. No, yeah, I'm talking about the other quarterback. Oh, 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 sorry, excuse me. Yeah, Justin Fields, 7 of 11. For 70 yards. For 70 yards and an interception. Hey, that's 10 yards per pass. Though. Hey, he had a QBR of 6.7. Hey, there. That ain't bad. It's, you know, 6.6 would have Probably been Probably had a rushing touchdown, but didn't actually count. Yeah. Well, it wasn't clear and obvious, okay? Yeah, it, it was. wasn't. <laughs> I just don't get why. If you're why, a Bears fan, it was clear and obvious. Yeah. If you're a Bears fan, no touchdown. If you're the Bears and you watch how that game played out, why did Justin Fields even attempt 11 passes with David Montgomery literally running it right down the Packers' throat? Because no matter who you are as a Bears coach, you make the wrong decision. Yeah. it's. I mean, it's just... It, death taxes, Bears coaches make the wrong decisions, and the Bears quarterback throws a pick to a Packer. Or... Well, it, it's your favorite sitcom, longest running sitcom in TV history? Correct. My favorite sitcom, you know, Seinfeld, sure, uh, Simpsons, if you're the animated st- sitcom kind of, but my favorite sitcom airs every Sunday and it's called the Chicago Bears and it's and always funny. And this one predates TV. It it's was always on, funny. It was on the radio waves as a sitcom back it is in the day. always hilarious. So as Packer fans, we knew that Jair Alexander, one of the best corners in the league. We knew that Eric Stokes had a very promising rookie year and it looked like he was a solid corner with how they graded him out yeah. year one. Rasul Douglas was coming back. Adrian Amos played as one of the best safeties in the league last year. And Savage is a serviceable safety. What would we, t- what will we talk about pretty much the entire off season leading up to this year? And then even into the first week or so about the bears, how bad their, their receiving core was Yeah, their leading receiver was St. Brown. <laughs> 
how many games did he lead the Packers in receiving his entire career? I would say none. I would also go out on a limb and say zero. Yeah. And then we talked about some of the other guys because Darnell Mooney is by far their best receiver. After his first catch, did you hear the Collinsworth? Because the league better watch out for these St. Brown brothers. Oh, I yeah, like, no, I did. I was like, what? Like, huh? like, after his first catch of the day. I'm like, I'm on Raw, probably, sure. He's got a chance to be the first NFL receiver to have nine, eight plus catches in nine straight games next week. But I'll say, Collinsworth, we've seen Equiminius for a while now. I don't think anyone's really going to be watching out for him. Yeah. So, well, Darnell Mooney's their best receiver. He had one catch for minus four yards. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, we were talking about how it was like, oh, that roster just in general. Byron Pringle, who came over from the Kansas City Chiefs and was like the Chiefs' maybe fourth, fifth best yeah. receiver on that roster. The only thing I remember he did in that game was a false start. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, do you think if he was Bri- Byron Lays, he might have been uh, doing better? I get it's a chip joke. Yeah. Well, Doritos is the number one chip in America, so maybe it was that. Maybe. I prefer Lay's, though. I don't I know. know. That's why I said but, yeah. you, Thanks for placating you to me. Like, like the that. original Lay's. Yeah. Well, he did kind of act like his last name, Pringle. He was stacked up. He didn't do anything. <laughs> uh, all but right. Yeah, like they didn't do anything on offense outside of run the football well. Yeah. Like, yeah, they had a couple of big passes to St. Brown where he made a couple big. But it was like outside of that. It, Man, you ran the football well. Why'd you stop? You well, especially yeah. on that drive that the non-touchdown touchdown happened like <laughs> up until you got near I mean did they even pass the ball that drive I'm trying to think well he threw it 11 times in 60 right. minutes but like that specific drive I'm trying to remember if they passed it all and then you get on the goal line and you take it away from the two guys who really got you there I mean Montgomery with 122 yards and then Herbert, pretty much on that drive, put up all 38 of his yards. Yeah. I mean, what do you... I don't know, dude. Yeah. I don't know. Well, well it also is I mean, we've seen, we've seen the Packers throw from the one-yard line before. Then you go so. back to week one against the Vikings, is, and LaFleur, they said it in the broadcast, and Rowdy brought it up too, it's like... Aaron Jones was averaging over eight yards of carry against the Vikings. He carried mm-hmm. it eight times. And LaFleur's like, that's on me. But, I didn't even realize but it. But you saw him use him more this past week, As yesterday. Rightfully so. And that set up. Lazard's touchdown. Yeah. Because, I mean, everybody crashed in and thought Aaron Jones was getting the ball at that goal line. And then Lazard, you know, faked the block and was wide open for the touchdown. I mean, that's the kind of things this offense is supposed to set up. Totally. Um, And when you don't run the ball enough, you can't set that stuff up. Yeah, and I think, uh, I can't remember who it was, but it was somebody last week leading up to this game they said that ideally for the Green Bay Packers, you're probably going to want to see Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon both get about 15 carries each because yeah. that'll that'll be enough to where you can be effective in the game where you're running the football like Matt LaFleur wants to, and you're also kind of saving those guys so they're not yep. getting the 25 to 30 carries a game, so they're getting dinged up, yeah. and you're kind of keeping them a one-two punch, and that was almost what they had last night. I think they were... Nearly at 15 and 15 until that last drive where they're just eating up clock. Yeah, looking at the box score here, Jones 15, Dylan 18. And so, oh, yeah, I mean, speaking of running and quarterbacks running, how about Aaron Rodgers pulling it on a quarterback choice? Dude, yeah. How, how, oh how awesome God. was that? Nobody that was, was ready for it. Nobody <laughs> was. But you know how. But then he, then he took 
He dove forward again. It's like, gosh, when are you going to stop this? (laughs) Remember when we were talking about uh, Aaron Rodgers and and Grant Bills had issues with how he had to uh, change how he played to play with uh, the new rookie wide receivers? And I explained what Rodgers probably actually meant by those comments about not being younger anymore. When he was running, no, he was never a Mike, (laughs) Mike Vick type running quarterback, hey, but he last, was a guy that could year, move in the pocket well, a scramble a little bit. Like he came out of college and ran a four, seven something. Yeah. So like he was decently fast, especially at the quarterback position for a pocket passer. I mean, uh, those days come, are behind yeah, him. But those coming out of college, he, he could still, that, that play, he does not look fast, you know, but he got it He could have picked up like another five yards Early yeah, in his career, really early. but like you're right, he's not he's not the running quarterback, but he had legs enough to, to move in the to pocket, move in the pocket, and be able hey, to get to that Thompson, outside. He's got legs and he knows how to use them. And but I just think when he started legs. running, it was about women though, and the linebacker that that caved in kind of got back and was running him down. I'm like, just get down, just get down, <laughs> yeah. down, 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 and then he dives head first. And you're like, what are you doing? He <laughs> and there he goes. Rowdy is a constant of life for the Packers defense, giving us headaches. Now I know they only gave up ten points, but you uh, wanted to get in a little Joe's berries, Joe Berry here, the DC. Yeah, it's on your mind, overall, bro. Remember, we all watched the Vikings game week one, and no one decided to cover Justin Jefferson. Yeah. And now Dalvin Cook had a decent game, but he didn't have some big noteworthy game, right? He roughly had 20 carries for like 80-ish yards. It was a you know a serviceable day, but nothing special. Packers defense, taking if you take away Justin Jefferson, looked pretty decent in that game, especially in the second half where they only held Minnesota to six points. Totally. But yes, they couldn't figure out how to stop the biggest name on the Vikings defense. Well, fast forward to last night's game. Chicago really didn't do a whole lot on offense, no. especially throwing the football because we seven pass. Yeah, the seven the completions Packers just got lit up seven last of week. 11. Justin Fields. They held Justin Fields to 70 yards passing. And yeah, he hit a few big passes, you know, over the middle to St. Brown here and there, but it was nothing major. You're always going to have that in the NFL game where the, where the game itself is tailored to yeah. more offense and passing these days. But my biggest frustration, it was I'm not even going to say it was the run defense because David Montgomery did run for 122 yards on 15 carries. Khalil Herbert, four carries, 38 yards. Like those two guys averaged together about nine yards a carry. They're looking good. I'm like, why are the bears going away from this? But but the thing is the defense was there. They couldn't Couldn't tackle. tackle. It was like, how many times did you see Devondre Campbell, Quay Walker, or somebody on the defensive line or an outside Just linebacker not hit Khalil Herbert and hit David Montgomery within two yards of the line of scrimmage, and they couldn't get him on the ground. Yeah, it was like the most frustrating thing ever. Because okay, yes, they the Chicago Bears did block well. There were some handoffs where they carved out some big lanes. Yeah, same thing the Vikings did. But overall, if they would have tackled. Like they tackled against Minnesota and Delvin Cook, who is a superior running back. The Bears offense doesn't have a whole lot of anything going on. Correct. Because they ran for 180 yards. If you tackle them roughly at contact, man, I, I don't even know if the yeah, Bears. I'd love to see yards after contact. Yeah, I don't know if the Bears. So they had 250 total yards. I would say if you tackle them at contact, there's no way the Bears have 200 yards of total offense. Yeah, And then, obviously, we're talking about the mishaps with the Packers offense in that third quarter. Like, 
they won by 17. Yeah, yeah without the touchdown, it could have been harder. closer. But without some of those plays like Christian Watson when they were driving, you know, getting hit by the snap and some of the other things that they did that ended drives early, it's like this really could have got out of hand. But, yes, definitely. I mean, that's what it felt like. I mean, the final score, 27-10, you're like, all right, the Packers had their way. If you watch the game, uh, yeah, there were some frustrating moments, but the Packers, who only scored three points in the second half, they controlled that game for the most part. It's just... If the Bears, I think it was a touchdown. I know it wasn't clear and obvious and the call stands as is. I thought the Bears, it would have been interesting to see what would have happened if they would have allowed that touchdown to, you know, to be called the touchdown uh, instead of um, you know a stop for the Packers on the goal line. But yeah, the defense meant tackle. tackle. Yeah, if, if they just would have tackled well, the defense would have looked pretty good. Now, now you go and play Tampa Bay coming up here. Yep. And Tampa Bay really hasn't look, looked good no. the first two weeks of the seasons. Their defense looks good. There's going to be we, no. We know their defense is yeah. good. We'll get into this. Been good. We'll get into that coming up, Rowdy. Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers, the owner of the Chicago Bears, renewed uh, his ownership yesterday at Lambeau Field. I wanted to play some clips of one Aaron Charles Rodgers. Uh, he said, Rowdy, it's great to win, but. I'm just trying to, again, temper expectations, and, and obviously I'm going to enjoy the heck out of this one tonight, but uh, we got a big one next week, a tough road trip, and it's got to be better. You know, this was better than week one, but we got to be better than this if we want to compete with Tampa. It's got to be better, Rowdy, and we know how the Packers do when they're in Florida. They kind of... Tampa's looking a little different this year, though. Uh, we'll get to Tampa uh, coming up, but do you agree, and I agree with Aaron Rodgers, I'm sure you too. it's got to look better. It looked good for the most part, but then that third, what, that third quarter? Like the Packers, it was never in doubt. The spread may have been. I know they covered. But what to you could get marginally better? Just just putting the ball more in the end zone? Well, I think but tackling we tackling, that too. tackling is the biggest one for me because if, if they make plays and tackle the ball carriers, Chicago's offense has even less than the 250 yards that they had. And it's not like they look great on offense just in general. Mm-hmm. But... Yeah, offensively, continuing to run the football the way that they have the first two weeks is only going to make it easier for Aaron Rodgers and those young receivers to look better. Now, I feel I feel like at this point, it's just going to take time with Watson, with Dobbs, like with yeah. some of those guys, like Watkins, Cobb, the older veteran players Lazard. that are on this team. Yeah, they all kind of have to carry this team for the first half of the season. And that's why you got to hope that Watkins and Cobb can stay healthy because they need those guys. And yeah. I'll even say Lazard since he got stepped on and had to miss game one. But like those guys have to carry the team because you just watch it. You see flashes from Dobbs on that screen pass and you see flashes with Christian Watson being open quite a bit in game one. But then you also see the mistakes, like not catching the football, running the wrong routes. Yeah. And that's just going to be how it is. So I guess I guess I would just say for improvement at this point is young receivers to continue to get better yep. and the old guys to stay healthy and, and play kind of like they did last night because Cobb, Cobb had some nice catches. They some big ones. Sammy, Sammy Watkins, Watkins had some explosive plays. Yep. Alan Lazard obviously had some good plays. Now, there was nine targeted receivers yesterday. None had more than four catches. Rodgers was asked about it. You know, if this is the way that they're going to have to be you know, productive offensively with their wide receivers, take a listen. The days of uh, one guy getting 15 and the next guy getting four or five are kind of over we're gonna have to find ways to get different
different guys of football in different spots. There's a lot of different plays for specific guys. So that's kind of the way it's going to go. It's kind of like a be careful what you wish for kind of thing. Like, you know, Devontae Adams is gone. and They brought it up many times in the broadcast. Well, you know, his favorite target is gone. He can't be, you know, hyper-focused, laser-focused in on one guy. And it looked good. I mean, offensively, Rodgers, once, and you were totally right, Rowdy, once Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs kind of, because you saw Christian Watson, you kind of effed a couple things up. And Romeo Dobbs right away running the wrong route. But, you know, they got involved a little later. Uh, once those guys come around, and what we said, we said this coming into the season, like halfway through the season, you know, maybe a little after that, we'll see these uh, young rookie wide receivers getting their feet wet a little more and uh, able to contribute uh, just a bit more. But on the running game, awesome. Aaron Jones was a phenom. Rodgers talks about the dedication uh, to the run. Their goal was to play some shell coverage and, and get down to some one-eye kind of late in the cadence at times. But but uh, I think they kind of dared us to go the length of the field, and we stuck with the run. So kudos to Matt for really sticking with it. How about Matt LaFleur from eight carries to Aaron Jones uh, against the Minnesota Vikings to just letting Aaron Jones absolutely run wild, 15 carries, 132 yards and a tutty. Yeah, so if if I'm going to criticize Christian Watson for running, you know, motioning through a snap and it hitting him, which was like (laughs) WTF. Mm -hmm. The other one that I have to comment on because we have not talked about it yet is what the hell happened on that handoff attempt between Rodgers and Dylan? I don't know. Where did his big thigh get in the way? His quad? It and I, Colin uh, Collinsworth actually pointed this out. Yeah, here's a guy. I think it might have been on Aaron Rodgers. If you watch how the offensive line was blocking right, AJ Dylan was running right. Then all of a sudden, it looked like Aaron Rodgers probably came out of the snap incorrectly. Yeah, I don't know for sure. It was just that, messy. But yeah, but then again, that's another fumble. And it's like, what? This this is sloppy. Mm-hmm. But yet at times outside of those two drives. But maybe we're just criticizing that because that was like the pivotal point where it was like almost back-to-back drives where it's like, okay, we can really put the uh, nail in the coffin here if we could just go down and score and, and the Green Bay Packers are going to go on to victory. And then they kept effing it up by doing stuff like that. And you're like, Jesus, just put this bears team away. If you make them one dimensional and have to pass with Justin Fields. Oh yeah. dude. Like the, the only thing they were doing well is running the football. And that's only because the Packers couldn't tackle like, yeah, don't fumble the football, make, uh, you know, score once or twice here. This game is salted away. We're not even talking about whether it's a touchdown or not on the goal line because nobody cares. Yeah. You you're, be... you're up that big and now you have to make Justin Fields throw the football, which, you know, look at the bears wide receivers too. Yeah. It's like, yikes. Uh, but on the running game, this is more from Rogers talking about uh, last night was about AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones. I right. didn't play great. You know, I'm a... yeah, no, Nick said uh, in the presser here, Aaron Rodgers did admit to that was his fault. Yeah, okay. Thank you, Nick. Uh, here's more from Rodgers in the presser about the running backs. I didn't play great. You know, I, I feel like the stats look a little better than the game. You know, the standard I set for myself is pretty high. I feel like it is attainable, and my definition of success, I feel like, rests uh, gently on my, my shoulders and my ego. But but I missed some throws that I should never miss, and, and there were some opportunities for more points out there. Look at look at Rogers, Rowdy, admitting to mistakes. There you go. Look at ayahuasca can do for you. 
All right, so also, um, we've are, we haven't banned these two words yet, but we're close. David Bakhtiari. We haven't banned them yet uh, from people talking about it. Uh, but a good thing was Elton Jenkins was back. Aaron Rodgers talked about Elton Jenkins back in the lineup, uh, how great it was. The definition of success isn't always measured in stats. And for Elton, I thought tonight was an absolute success. I really do. Uh, he's been out for a long time. And he's battled in practice and battled in his rehab. And he went out there and played an NFL football game. That, to me, is a successful night. Uh, more from Rodgers on Elton Jenkins having a successful night. And a lot of times we get caught up in a definition of success that's actually never really attainable. So we live in this feedback loop of negative self-talk and self-criticism that I don't think is good for a healthy ego or good for our own confidence. Man. So what I know the guys were telling them and what I feel about them is that tonight was a huge success for Elton. That sounds like a guy who was part of an ayahuasca circle at Lambeau Field. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers getting a little deep on him, Rowdy. How nice was it, though, to see Elton Jenkins back out on that field? Yeah, and it's not like that was his best game, but it was the first time he's played in about a year. Yeah. He's coming off the knee injury, and oh, by the way, the Chicago defensive line is pretty decent, especially when you're talking about Robert Quinn, who was second in the league in sacks last year. Yeah. But yeah, first game out of the shoots, that's a good test. And he did tighten it up after the, what, first quarter plus. Yeah. But yeah, good to see him back. I only anticipate him to be better and better as the season goes along, as he gets more comfortable, as he gets more reps coming back from an injury. Totally. Yeah, it was nice to see. And, uh, you know, Big Bob Tunyon coming back from that injury, he was out there. I mean, we saw him out against the Vikings, too. Uh, But yeah, nice to see Lazard out there as well. Um, It just, the more bodies the pack can get, the better. And then they got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers coming up here. All right, so Saturday, Rowdy took over the Zone Blitz pregame bash. Um, crushed it by all accounts i sadly could not listen as again i was doing wedding stuff but the badgers just throttled before we get to the badgers rowdy how was the zone blitz pregame bash yeah overall it it went pretty well the one thing that i'm gonna have to uh do better is nail the name the zone blitz pregame bash what were you calling it was the i couldn't get it out (laughs) was it because of all the coors lights like you're sitting there talking about all the zones and the red zones and yeah Yeah. Yeah. The first few times it was, uh, the name did not come out hey, correctly. Hey, if that's the worst that happened, then I think we're doing all Other right. Other than that, no technical issues. Beautiful. Everything all set up, ready to go about 20, 25 minutes before. Dump button works. RJ was there for 30 minutes. Ben joined me for the rest of the show. No, Saw no, some... no, no, uh, no Zach though. Halprin. Nope. No Zach. That was a given. Yeah. Figuring man. Uh, saw a few listeners and probably the funniest thing was Mike. Matt and cross planes brought me toilet paper. Oh uh, yeah. If you missed and it, said this is for later. Cause if you missed the, the story of Rowdy, the second game of the season, he had a little fiasco, not at the red zone. This was after the fact, uh, at the uh, Lucky's on Regent street with, uh, Maybe we're not some toilet TP there. So that's funny, man. Cross plays. <laughs> what kind of ply was it? Was it a good kind or was it like the sandpaper stuff? It's in the box in the oh. the, the back with all the koozies. I will have to, uh, maybe we'll have to, you'll have to break that in today or something, Rowdy. Uh, let's see here. And then the game itself. Uh, I did catch some of the game uh, for Wisconsin. I, I went and rewatched, uh, you know, a, a lot of the majority of it. But while it was unfolding, uh, we were, that's when we were on the party bus. We hit up what the nitty gritty in Sun Prairie. Uh, in between stops for pictures and whatnot for the wedding. But, man, did I saw the defense absolutely stifling, uh, almost a pick six. And then Graham Mertz, now I know it's New Mexico State, but, dude, Graham Mertz, 
for the first time in his career, three straight games, Rowdy, of over 200 yards passing. I, I know there's interception in there. It wasn't really his fault. But, Rowdy, Graham Mertz looked pretty good. Again, against, I know the opponent was down, but. Yeah, the Badgers overall looked pretty good. Now, on Friday night at Pooley's and even Saturday morning with RJ. Yeah, because I asked, what I, do they need to do? I'm sitting there going, isn't it just a little disappointing when you can't blow teams out, even though you can? And you watch the Michigans and the Ohio States of the world blow people out. Yeah. Like, why can't we do that? Can't, it, can't you make us feel better like that we have a team that can compete with those guys? And you said you wanted a Brett Bielema-esque type of game. Yeah, just a big blowout. Well, they blew it out. They did. They did. Jesus. Almost 600 yards of offense. They beat New Mexico State, the Aggies, 66-7. to seven. Wow. I, I thought for sure that, like, I had a cover on this game. I thought the Badgers would, like, barely cover. I didn't know they'd absolutely just throttle the living hell out of them. Um, that game was nuts. Now again, New Mexico State's not good, but it was nice. To, it was nice to see, right, Rowdy? It was nice to see them beat the brakes off of them. Yeah, especially because it's a team that you can do that to. Can we at least see it once in a while? Yeah, because you never really do see it for Wisconsin. You never really do. And then what happens? Man, they just. But now Ohio State's on deck, and here we go. The Buckeyes on Saturday, Columbus, Ohio. We're not going to be. Obviously doing a zone blitz pregame bash. That's We only do that for home games. I'll say this, Rowdy. Three straight home games. It's a lot on the It's a lot. It's a lot on the liver. It's a lot on, well, I guess I wasn't there downtown, but I was still punishing the liver. It's a lot to do. Three straight home games to start the season. Do you like that? Do you like, it's like lip, ripping the Band-Aid off, getting you like, you know, just bloody the bruise for the it? season. We're, we're about halfway through uh Wisconsin football home games this year. Yeah, we are. Four, um, only four left. Hey, how was the crowd, by the way? Like, uh, I was. It was pretty dead. Was it? Like, I got there. The, the least of the, all the games so far. Yeah, the beer garden was pretty dead. I walked inside. The inside was even more dead. Started setting stuff up, but I would say that about one one thirty, the beer garden started getting pretty packed. Like an the, hour before kickoff? Yeah, about yeah. an hour or so before kickoff. The beer garden actually got pretty packed. It was a nice day. But the inside was never super busy. Yeah, it was, really, it was a nice day, that's for sure. Uh, let's see, speaking of the tailgate, our guy Mike from Portage, he says, hey, boys, howdy doody, gentlemen. First of all, great to meet Rowdy and RJ at the red zone. I know. <laughs> I never knew radio hosts were so, so short. <laughs> hey, hey, Mike, I'm, what am I? I'm like 5'10", so uh, you'll have to meet me next time. He says, second of all, thanks for having a Badger on a flight rep on the show last week. Hell yeah, that's Brian Ziegler. Brian Ziegler is the uh, the head of Badger on a flight here in Madison. We're, we're good buds. Uh, we love Badger on a flight, Ryan, uh, Brian Ziegler. Uh, we stopped at the airport on the way home after the game and welcome home the vets. That's awesome because Badger on a flight had their flight on Saturday. How good was it? Now, I was at a wedding. I got to see some of my brother's wedding. I got to see some of it, and we, we briefly discussed it in the 6 o'clock hour, but just Wisconsin pounding and pounding and pounding New Mexico State. It, if there was one thing to do against this team in New Mexico, it was to beat their, just obliterate them, and that's what they did, and it felt good. How do you feel now coming in, though, with Ohio State on the docket uh, Saturday, 6.30 at Columbus? Yeah, so Wisconsin now two and one on the season. Yep, yep. Everyone I think was thinking they would be three and one, or sorry, three and zero oh, heading into this Ohio State game. Well, then on 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 top of that, 
I said at Pooley's, hey, they need to go out there. I'd feel a little bit better if they can go out, score a ton of points, and beat this team like 70-7. to seven. Just now, that, obliterate. That, that was actually pretty close. Yeah. But I was surprised that they actually did it. Same. I thought there was way too many variables going into this game that would be like, okay, well, we still might be able to dominate this team, but we're not going to get that type of margin. One, you have Ohio State on deck. You could be looking ahead and just don't play well. Yep. Two, you have Ohio State on deck. You might want to rest your starters <laughs> yep. in the second half, so you just won't go out there and destroy them the way you were. You would. A lot of things. But, yeah, I mean, you watch that first half. New Mexico State was lucky that the Badgers didn't even have more points than they did. 595 yards of total offense despite sitting the first team group for more than the final 20 minutes of the game. It's the most yardage for the Badgers since they hung 606 on Purdue in 2019. And then if you look at even the second half where they did go and bring in the backups, the backups were absolutely crushing and dominating and, and physically no dominating New Mexico State. And Miles Burkett came in, the backup quarterback, who it looks like he is That's the guy. Yep. He is the backup. Deacon Hill. Sorry, we'll Deacon. see ya. Sorry, bud. Big arm, he, though. Miles Burkett actually made some good throws, and they, they allowed him to push the ball down the field, probably because it was a lesser opponent. But that was actually kind of nice to see. Not only did they completely dominate in the first half with starters and they scored a ton, but they put in the backups and continued to put the pedal to the metal and yeah, yeah, they looked good, but now turn the page because it's Ohio state, like the easy part of the schedule. (laughs) It's this is big boy football now over. Yeah, uh, Graham Mertz, though, man, looking good. Graham Mertz definitely taking steps in his development. Uh, 12 of 15 passes, uh, three of them tutties. Now, I did have a pick in there. It wasn't really his fault. But Mertz now, uh, 251 yards were a career high. He's now thrown for at least 200 yards in three straight games for the first time. That, my friends, is I know it was against bad teams, but still nice to see. And Mertz wasn't the reason why they lost uh, last Saturday against Washington State. But, man, this offense, humming, dude. Humming. Balanced, 335 yards passing, 260 yards rushing uh, under the new OC of Bobby Ingram. I'm just glad they went out there and beat the hell out of uh, New Mexico State because it's something that, you know, I said this, Rowdy, you know, tongue-in-cheek. I want them to be beat so bad, New Mexico State, that they thought about and think about canceling their football program. Uh, they were close, and it felt good to get that. And you suggested, what, a Brett Bielema-esque, like, cover game? Yeah, Dave from Monona calling in, talking about— Of all people. To, of all people, Dave, talking about how they shouldn't be, you know, kicking a field goal when they're up by 63. Uh, no. You go out there, there's blood in the water, and you just go for the jugular. You needed to set that game right, set a tone of going into Ohio State. Now, Ohio State's a whole different animal than New Mexico State. Well, that's the thing. You ask me, you know, what do they have to do to make you feel better about going in and playing Ohio State in the horseshoe? Well, it was light them up. Well, they did that. So now, how much more confident do I feel with Wisconsin going into Ohio State? I would have said if they would have went out there and won the game like I predicted 35-7, to seven, it was just kind of a ho-hum win, yeah. that they were in for some pain in Columbus. Pain. And I would have told you, yeah, I'd, if I'm looking to bet this game, I'm going to be looking to take Ohio State. Now with this, this type of performance, and we've seen that Graham Mertz has looked pretty decent now for the the first three games, but he hasn't played a great defense yet. 
I'm more or less not to the to the point where I'm like, yep, Wisconsin's going to be in this game. They, they, they got a real shot at beating Ohio State. I'm more like, hey, I'm definitely going to bet Ohio State to... I don't know. Maybe, maybe if Wisconsin plays well, maybe they'll be right on the edge of covering. <laughs> so that's just how good Ohio State is, though. Yeah, yeah. We'll talk about it coming up, man. Uh, there's a lot of football in the brain today. 